Good morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for this Thanksgiving week, 2021. Hopefully you're back with family this year for Thanksgiving. Last year, although I would like to say last year, I fully accepted the challenge of pulling off Thanksgiving dinner, and I feel like I nailed it. Even my wife told me I nailed it. I woke up at like 4 o'clock in the morning last year on Thanksgiving and rocked a hell of a Thanksgiving dinner. This year, luckily, don't have to do that again. We're back with family this year. I hope you are, too. Um, Speaking of back with, on Friday, Friday was actually my wife's birthday, and on Friday night, we got to go to RBTL for Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was awesome. We had a great time. My wife's birthday, all she wanted was dinner from Aladdin's, her favorite restaurant. Uh, Then we went to Living Roots Winery for a couple of pre-show glasses of wine and a cheese board and some chocolate. And then uh, to the show. And when I was in those last, especially those last few months where I where I knew a 100% fact that I was leaving my job in radio, but really the last 6, 12, 18 months when I was just kind of kicking it around in my head, I said to my wife at least once every few weeks, I would say to her, I would say, you know what I will miss, though, about leaving radio? I will miss the media tickets to the Rochester Broadway Theater League because they every Tuesday for every show, they give the media essentially free tickets. So long story short, perk of that job was I essentially had free season tickets for the Rochester Broadway Theater League. And I told my wife, you know, for, for months, I told her, I go, that is one thing I'll miss. And we kind of made the decision together. We said, you know what? We looked into it. And we said, you know what we're going to do? We are going to become season ticket holders. We're, we're going to make it work. That's going to be something we're going to, quote, unquote, splurge on. And we're going to become season ticket holders. And we did. And so Friday night was actually our first night as season ticket holders, sitting in, like, our seats. So we bought Friday nights for the entirety of the season, which this year is. So it was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Pretty Woman is next, and it's, like, three weeks away. It's, like, back-to-back shows almost because I'm pretty sure Pretty Woman is – yeah i think it's only about three weeks away then they have rent or stomp one of them is coming in january february is a band's visit i think um oh now i'm gonna get out of order i know rent or stomp whichever the other one is in like march Uh, april they have dear evan hansen may i want to say is maybe mean girls or something like that. And then I and then Hamilton is next November. But for some reason they're considering it part of this season. But anyway. Yeah. Very excited. Very much so excited for that. Uh, my wife had a great birthday too. You know, all she wanted. My wife is such a great person. Just a wholehearted, just perfect human being. Because she, all she wanted was that. Like that was her birthday present. It was bring me my favorite dinner, take me to my favorite winery, let's go to a show. What a great dinner, or what a great birthday, right? What a great birthday. All right, without further ado, let's get into the podcast. This was recorded at the Grow New York Summit this week, which I had the opportunity to attend. This is a great summit. It's a conference, basically. This is only the third year they've done it. A couple of years ago, it was in Rochester. Last year, of course, it was virtual. This year, in the On Center in Syracuse, and uh, I really enjoyed the On Center. I thought it was a nice convention center. If you don't know, that's like their convention center downtown. I thought it was really nice. I always think of Syracuse as Rochester 
it's like when you go to, I always feel like when I go to Syracuse that, and remember for those of you who don't know this, I'm not from here. So Rochester to me is home now, but I didn't grow up here. So as much as I know Rochester, I really don't know much about the, my surroundings here at all because I've only been to Syracuse maybe three, four times my entire life. So, you know, it's not like I just didn't grow up around it is all. And so anyway, I always think of Syracuse as almost this like, you know, it's like you go to, you're driving across New York state, right? Cause think about me, Ohio boy coming to town, right? You go through Buffalo and I know Buffalo. I've always known Buffalo. The only reason I ever know Buffalo, no offense to Buffalo, but the only reason I know it is because of the bills. Drive another hour, you get to this little city called Rochester. Drive another hour, you get to another little city called Syracuse. <laughs> you know, like that's all I ever knew. And then I think Utica happens somewhere in there too, right? Keep going, eventually hit Albany. And then if you turn left, you're in the woods. And if you turn right, you'll hit New York City one day. <laughs> it's, it's geography lesson with Paulie Guglielmo. Anyway, I uh, ran into this guy at the Grow New York Summit who I was running into at this conference for the second time in a week. And once I ran into him twice in one week, I said, okay, this is a sign. I got to do the podcast with this guy. I brought my equipment just in case. There was some downtime at this conference, specifically around like lunch. You know, it would be like an hour of basically nothing. You would just eat lunch real quick. So I said, hey, let's have lunch. And then let's get together and record a podcast because I saw him give a brief presentation the previous week uh, at a uh, entrepreneur summit that I went to at the Spot Cowork in Rochester about being a cricket farmer. And I said, whoa, that is weird. That is cool. You know, weird in a cool way. I mean, that is a compliment. And then, you know, here I am five days later, I go to this agriculture summit in Syracuse and there's the cricket farmer again. And I go, hey, and you know, we, we became buddies and he came over to my booth and you know, next thing I know, I'm like, hey, what are you doing after lunch? <laughs> and this podcast was born. So enjoy and have a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Let's start, Chad. Actually, let's start off with talking about something that it doesn't have to do with you. Okay. We literally just had lunch. We're at the On Center in Syracuse. We are. Am I pronouncing that right, by the way? You are pronouncing it. It's not the One Center? No, it's the On Center. <laughs> I was on the radio in Syracuse for years, and I would always skip pronunciations of things because I didn't know how to say I didn't even know. I still don't know how to say Syracuse. Is it Syracuse or Syracuse? Syracuse. Sarah? Like, the le- like Sarah, like a girl's name? Yes. Okay. Are you from Rochester? I'm from Rochester, okay, yeah. Okay, all right. Anyway, we're at the On Center for the Grow New York Summit, and they do a good job with food here. 
I'm surprised had, your uh, tomato sauce isn't on the pasta dish. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> they had what did they have? They had uh, Riggies, yep, which is a Utica thing. They had Utica greens, which mm-hmm. I guess Utica's right down the road from here, right? Right. And they had today they had Gianelli sausage, which I think is a, a Syracuse thing. It is. Uh, yesterday, they had Cornell chicken. What was the oh salt, Syracuse salt potatoes? Oh, yeah. So I love how they've like localized the food for this event, which makes sense. It's a Grow New York thing put on by Cornell, right? You know, and it's all about like agriculture and agro business in, in New York State. So yeah, I mean they also have a perfect granola granola bars. Oh yeah, Michelle Little. Yep, yep. Shout out to Michelle. Yep. Uh, we should also the reason I want to start by saying that is because we are actually recording in the corner of a convention center hence the background noise because there's going to be these microphones will work good enough chad that will sound fine right but there's going to be some background noise because of the music and whatnot so we're doing this just after lunch no speakers yet we should be fine uh chad you came to my attention we had spoke before but specifically recently right i was at an entrepreneur summit in rochester yeah at the spot co-work and I think you were the very first speaker, right? I was the first person to, to, how, to speak. How hard is it when you're the first one who has to speak? Uh, it, was, it was pretty difficult because, one, I didn't know the crowd. And yeah, the second thing is, like, I, I signed up last minute. And, yeah, and then all of a sudden, they're like, great, you're first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but something, uh, we're going to talk about everything that you've done because you've got a lot of cool stuff. Yep. So I'm going to start with the thing you're doing now. Okay. Then we'll go back and we'll get back to this. But the thing that caught my attention is that you are harvesting would we say harvesting yeah that's the correct term you're harvesting crickets yep and you can grind them into flour as a food ingredient cricket flour yep and you can make it into like bread anything any flour product i love it but let's go back first okay because that's not your only claim to fame right you are also the only person in rochester verified on snapchat yep you're out you're an influencer I, i am an influencer I'm sitting here with a real influencer. Yeah. <laughs> so how did how did that happen? Is you're sitting across from me? We're we're in the on center, so we're wearing masks right. because it's required in here, and you have an RIT mask. Yep. So I assume you went to RIT. I did. I uh, I went to RIT to study packaging science. Uh huh. And then uh, I did a master's program in sustainable systems. And while I was in the program, I realized the first week that our country is not sustainable. And I realized you need a social media following to create change. So that's how I hopped on to Snapchat. And on day one, obviously, you've got zero followers, Zero right? followers, yep. And you're just talking to, you feel like you're talking to nobody at first. Yes. Do you just have to kind of head down, power through that, and just say, like, hey, I'm going to create great content and the people will come? Uh, true and untrue. Okay. Uh, you can make great content, but that doesn't guarantee that people will come. Okay. You have the great viral content, and then people will come. And then they'll surround you, and that's how you build your audience. You said you have to create what content? Viral. Borrow? Viral. Oh, viral. Yeah. Viral. I thought you said borrowed content. Okay. So you have to create viral content. So is there a trick? Because if you can tell me the trick to <laughs> making content go viral, you, sir, are going to be the richest person at this convention. Because there are advertising agencies and companies. There's every, every company here. I mean, how many companies are here? There's dozens of companies yeah. here. Every company in America in the world right if there was an actual trick to going viral would snap do it right now sure so what did you find what's the best advice you can give on quote unquote going viral uh you have to do something that's different from everyone else Mm -hmm. and if you look at the competition here anywhere in new york no one's really using snapchat to to their advantage like mainly the focus is instagram facebook and 
that's such a small pie that you're cutting into. Well, in Rochester, I have no competition, zero. Yeah, I've, I've had zero competition for years. Because didn't you say Snapchat is is growing year over year? It's like it, it it's never fallen off. It's well, it, it did it did fall off. Okay. In like 2018, when Instagram Stories came around, okay. it went from 191 million to like 186, and then it rebounded, okay. and it has you know grown uh, quarter after quarter. And I know that uh, you know you mentioned Facebook and Instagram, so Facebook. At this point, let's try and categorize these things. Right. Is Facebook all old people at this point? Uh, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, f- Instagram is what, like millennials or like zennials? Well, kinda? it's a lot of people leaving the platform okay. because they're tired of uh, Instagram just copying other p- platform yeah. features yeah. and not being like truly unique. And Twitter is, is w- Twitter seems angry to me. Twitter Tw- seems like a lot of news political commentary and people just yelling at each other right it feels like on twitter yeah that's pretty much the snapchat platform. tiktok like those seem fun but like tiktok seems like a lot of pent-up angry people uh it, it can be uh looked that way uh-huh with, with, with snapchat like uh my audience is like one-to-one with other platforms you know if someone gets mad at you they can create other accounts and it looks like 20 people are mad at you when there's only really just one person yeah with snapchat it's just one-to-one communication and then I, what I do is I, whenever I get hate, I'll post it on my story, and then my my troops or my cricket cult comes alive and, you know, rallies behind me. The cricket cult. The I cricket love it. cult. Yep. Uh, and then is we were going through all the different social medias, and then of course, more recently in the last year, year and a half, really since the pandemic, I would say, TikTok blew up too. Right. Yeah. How did TikTok and Snapchat compare to each other? Uh, they're the same type of platform uh i would say much younger users use tiktok you know like uh, a parent ha- hands a kid a phone you know it's either gonna be youtube or tiktok and then as they age up and they start talking to each other like teenagers they'll switch to snapchat okay and that's where snapchat really grows from there yeah a lot of the guys who work in my plant are in their like mid-20s and they're all on snapchat you right. know uh, not as much tiktok they're all snapchat people yeah yeah what was the thing that you did that made you different, that made you stand out? So initially, I, I taught people sign language for free on Snapchat. Awesome. Yeah, it's my first language, and I, I find it as the best platform to teach because it deletes and it forces you to pick up the language. Let's, hold on, there's a lot to unpack. We've got a lot to unpack. <laughs> I still want to talk about packaging science, sure. sustainability. Yeah. But sign language was your first language? Yeah. How did that happen? So, so my mom's deaf. My dad's an interpreter. Oh. And I find it as a better way to communicate than English. That as is, we're using English right now. That is really, really fascinating. Right. So you spoke sign language before you even spoke American English. Yeah. So huh. the, the, my first sign was the word ball. Ball. But I mean, so you can't, just like you a can't. little. I think honestly, I think my son's first word was okay. ball. Right? Yeah, so yeah. just like any other kid, your first word was Yeah, yeah. Ball. Well, the, the reason uh, why sign language is so, so much easier to pick up um, when you're born is because your vocal cords aren't intact, and therefore you have your hands. We taught our son a couple of things. Okay. And if I can remember, of course, sign language doesn't work on a podcast, but before <laughs> he could speak, you right. know, if, we'd, if we were eating dinner or whatever, we taught him, does that mean more, yep. right? Yep, more. Tapping your fingers together? Yep. And he used that before he had the ability to say more, obviously. Right. But uh, it's interesting you say that because we, I remember my wife saying that she had heard that he'll pick up some sign language before he'll pick up some English. Right. Basically. Yeah. yeah. And he did. And he used that. And I think he used 
thank you as well. Isn't what is thank you? Thank yeah, you. yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 we would use thank you. There's sometimes milk as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bathroom, he had three or four words you, he was using. Yeah. That he used, but really it was more, you know, that was the only way he could tell us because when you have a little kid, do you have any kids? I do not. You're no. young, I think. But <laughs> when you have kids, like, you, you never know. Have they eaten enough? Have they eaten too much, right? right. It's hard to know with a baby. Mm-hmm. And that was a way for him to tell us, I'm still hungry. And it was beautiful. Right. So you, I would imagine you spoke English pretty quickly after sign, right? You pick up sign language, you pick up English. You kind of picked them up simultaneously. Sort of. Uh, mm-hmm. Like growing up, I went to speech classes because I couldn't really, like, tell the difference between the two languages oh yeah because there's a lot of like um different types of like ways to say stuff like there's a there's a form of asl that's like um like it's like broken english like almost a dialect yeah and so going from that to go to english it was like a little bit difficult yeah yeah is you know they always make a joke and this is so stupid for me to bring this up is the middle finger actually sign language or do we just pretend it, it is it is <laughs> yeah there's there's a slang so this is um this, uh, my favorite like swear is like mom and you go this this is motherfucker oh so you get the the, the you during the word for mouth yeah, mom. which is your hand is kind of near yeah, your yeah. mouth and then just the yeah. the middle finger <laughs> it means motherfucker yeah that's <laughs> great so that's not in any like asl dictionaries but like that's like <laughs> slang for a lot of deaf people we i was an exchange student to italy when i was 16 okay i have to wonder why are we so fascinated the second we're access we have access to a new language it is almost always the second or third question we ask is how do i curse because you want to talk in like your primary language and when you're mad switch to your secondary uh-huh. and no one's going to know that yeah, yeah yeah okay so um back to college for a second okay rit is famous for packaging yeah it is packaging can you explain to me a little bit about exactly what that means because when i hear that i think you're you're designing ways to send things mm-hmm. you know obviously i don't know yeah. in the mail i guess right I've been selling glass jars online for the last seven years. Packaging's been a nightmare for me forever. <laughs> Bubble wrap, you know what I mean? Like yeah. broken jars. You basically could take a product and a package and say, here's the most efficient way to package this. Is that essentially what it is? Pretty much. Okay. Just understanding how many different variables there are to either shipping or testing, things okay. you wouldn't consider. And then you went into sustainability, and you realized the way we live our life right now is not sustainable. Yeah, in the first we, week. We, I was just in a, you know, this Grow New York Summit. They've got these startups pitching. One of them was pitching a solution for soil and made some bold statement about how, like, our so- we've only got about 60 years left of being able to grow things in our soil. Mm-hmm. And I don't know to what extent that's true. I mean, that was part of his pitch. I don't know. Right. I don't know anything about that. Yeah. But for, it sounds like... What you're saying is some of that kind of scary sounding stuff is true. Yeah. yeah. Like um, the, the reason the first week kind of scared me is uh, I went in thinking like solar panels and wind turbines were very sustainable, uh-huh. but it's, it's uh, not that sustainable because we use uh, rare materials to make those things mm. and they are, are prone to breakage and they don't convert as much energy as possible because if it's cloudy out, a solar panel doesn't work or if it's not windy out, the, the turbine doesn't work. So what's the future hold for somehow becoming sustainable? I don't, um, or are my grandkids' grandkids just kind of screwed? Uh, <laughs> maybe, but, you know, if we have a more focus on sustainability on all different sectors, yeah. maybe we can pull something out. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, um, because right now a lot of money is going into, you know, capitalistic things instead of, like, conscious capitalistic movements. Yeah. 
you uh, have, I've, I just had lunch with you, obviously, and you, you've talked about, you've been involved in so many things. Yep. And the cricket is just, that's just the latest. And like I said, we'll get to that. But yeah. <laughs> prior to this, you've been invested or part owner in mul- multiple things. What are some of the things that you've done? So I was a, a partner in a virtual reality arcade. Um, I th- I got in like 2018 or 2017, and I left in 2019 before uh, COVID happened. Was that the one at Park Point? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I knew about that. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it, that, that market was really difficult because a lot of people didn't understand virtual reality. And so the only way to sell it is for people to try it. And uh-huh. so I went to do many pop-ups at different restaurants around Rochester. What kind of feedback? Did, did people mostly love it? or? Uh, yeah, a lot of people loved it. But the price point that we were selling it at, um, people didn't like Okay. It was, it, was, it was way too expensive for Rochester, but <laughs> really cheap for New York City. What was it, what did it cost for me to come into the uh, It was like thirty dollars per hour. Okay. And you know, you know, people would pay that for like the Asia tag, but like something with the VR, um, some of the systems are a little bit wonky because okay. it's a fresh new field, but it's been in the years on the uh, uh, in the making. And okay. so it was really hard to get people to um, spend a lot of time using it. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a little bougie, but like thirty dollars doesn't sound too expensive to me for an right. hour of that experience. That sounds like a really cool experience. But a lot of adults didn't like it because they experienced vertigo. Oh sure. And a yeah. lot of young kids, you know, they're like, I don't have the money for this. Yeah sure. Yeah okay, I see. Yeah because adults put it on and they would get sick because they're not used to that technology. Yeah I yeah. see. Um, so you did the arcade. Uh-huh. What else have you been involved in? Um. I used to make uh, augmented reality filters on Snapchat. Oh, yeah. So Snapchat's been, for you, it's just been huge. I mean, yes. how often are you putting out content? So I put on uh, out content every single day. And, um, and, and is that important? I mean, you can't, have you ever gone a day without? Like, did Yeah, they, yeah. But, yeah. like, you can't grow without posting. Uh-huh. Because every 24 hours, your content's deleted. And how Unless much you have, like, a viral augmented reality filter or you're having traffic outside of Snapchat. How much is too much? I mean, if you post 57 times a day, are people going to be like, oh, my God, No, I, I don't try to post that much because yeah. um, the retention rate dips every snap you post. Of course, right. And right. so you want to put your call to action, like, the first snap. Okay. Yeah. You were ta- telling me earlier about how much you, how important you think Snapchat is. Right. Do you want to, what message is it that you want to convey about how, what is it you, f- you said you felt like Rochester wasn't quite grasping. Right. I can, I can drive so much more traffic to New York mm-hmm. using Snapchat than what they're currently doing. You've experienced that. Yeah. Y- yeah. I've, uh, in 2018, I brought 10 students to Rochester um, indirectly. So I was posting a lot about Rochester, but not the schools. Mm-hmm. And people would come to the schools and be like, hey, I'm in Rochester. Um, thanks for all you're doing. And so you had become... Tick, or I was going to say TikTok famous. You'd become Snapchat famous. Yes. And so people would come to town, they would know you, and they'd message you, and they'd be like, hey, I'm, I'm in your hometown, dude. Yes. And you said you also brought students. Did Because you were teaching sign language, because RIT is famous for that, uh-huh. did you actually, were you responsible for some students coming to RIT? Yeah. Um, I have a couple of interpreters that are currently studying at NTID at this moment. Awesome. Yeah. Man. And, and you, you, it seemed like you felt slighted. Like, did you go... And tell people, hey, I can I can help here, and they just kind of were like, yeah. Well, I've never been spotlighted by any um, until this podcast chat. Until this podcast, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> N- normally, I do the reaching out, 
and this time you you reached out. Yeah. Well, yeah. listen. I mean, the guy says he's making crickets. Yep. I'm like, I got to talk to that guy, and then you start telling me the rest of your story. Yeah. And it wasn't, and no, it wasn't. I got to talk to this guy anymore. Now it's like I got to do a podcast with this guy because right. a ton to uh, a ton to talk about. Yeah. I mean, you know, social Snapchat and going viral on any of those platforms is something that is talked about in every business mm-hmm. every day yeah. in this country and probably the world. And so somebody like you who, how many people right now, if you snap, you did a snap right now, how mm-hmm. many people are going to see that? About 8,000. About 8,000. 80,000. 80,000. Yeah. 80,000. Yeah, 80, and that's free, right? That's yeah, like, that's you, all organic. That's free. Yeah. That's insane. Right. That's a, a giant amount of reach. And for 80,000 people to see something through traditional advertising, mm-hmm. that's very expensive. Right. So have you been approached by by customers, by some guy with a pasta sauce to say, hey. No, not yet. Let's do, well, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> you can turn this into a business, right? I could, yes. Like, so like any brand that I develop, I can grow that brand. Yeah. If that thing fails, I still have my personal brand. Of course. At the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. But I always see hashtag ad, right? Uh-huh. And, it'll, and it, you know, somebody who's on Snapchat might have, you know, it's fun content, sign language, sign language. Then all of a sudden it's right. you using Dove Soap and you're like, oh, I use Dove Soap, you know? Yeah. But you haven't been approached for any of that stuff. No, because a, a lot of people don't know that it's such a big audience. How would they know? It's not like, I can't see how many followers you have? No. It's, oh. it's hidden. Now, wait a second. I don't like it. Because here's the difference. Because on Twitter, I can see how many followers you have. Right. Instagram, I guess Instagram started to kind of hide some of that stuff, right? Sure. But but on TikTok especially, right, you can see how many followers Mm -hmm. does somebody have. Snapchat is almost kind of doing you a disservice by not letting me see how many followers you have because I don't know how valuable you are. Right. Is there any word within Snapchat to change that? So, that so you there's a feature that I can actually show how many people are following me. Oh, okay. And I'd rather not because I think once I hit to a million, then I'll, I'll show it. But I, I just want to keep it hidden because no one really knows if I'm big or small. Right, because 80,000 80, probably, to me, I've got eight you know, right. followers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like not 8,000, not uh-huh. 8 million. Literally eight. Right. So to me, 80,000 sounds like a lot, but yeah. there's somebody out there with 8 million followers to whom 80,000 is going to be like, psh, small piece, right? Right. But in Rochester, there's nobody that has that many. Yeah. No. Not one. that we know of, at yeah, least. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's get into crickets. Okay. All right. How do crickets first get on your radar? Because this is a giant left turn from anything we've talked <laughs> about so far. So like, I mean, it has some parallels to like sustainability that I was interested in, but in February... 2021 uh someone told me about it and i was like is there anyone in rochester doing it or is there anyone in new york doing it no is there anyone in rochester doing it no perfect and i think we need something different to really put rochester back on the map and and so you basically had to now learn everything there was to know about crickets yes and prior to that you didn't know about nothing so how do you immerse yourself in the world of crickets uh tons of youtube seeing what other people are doing and then just you know getting a warehouse and then going at it where's your warehouse uh, it's um it's af- off of avenue d so it's okay. like in the ghetto and and you uh at your warehouse you are literally harvesting crickets like you're yep we're, we're growing and then harvesting how do you get that for do you just buy when I mean, where do you go to buy the the seed crickets i guess 
well there's there's farms that are all over the united states but right now there's a lot of supply chain uh, disarray mm -hmm. and so i had to find a farm initially i bought them off amazon i think i bought like uh ten thousand. you can buy crickets on amazon yeah but i wouldn't recommend it because they all <laughs> uh arrived dead dead oh, on arrival oh no that's so sad and it took me about a month to get my money back oh yeah <laughs> You, oh my god! <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at that because uh, it, it, it is funny. How much did ten thousand crickets cost? Um, it's it's pretty cheap. Um, market value is like fifteen dollars per thousand. So okay, so yeah, it wasn't so it wasn't like you know thousands and thousands. Yeah, yeah. But you get the crickets, and then now your job is to make them reproduce. Yeah. And so, what's the science behind? How many do you reproduce and how many do you actually process into flour? Well, right now we're just trying to grow okay. before we actually start processing because I know once I start selling, I'll, I'm going to sell out. What What is the secret to, like, you don't have to give, I mean, you know, if you sure. have proprietary secrets, uh -huh. obviously don't reveal that. Right. But what have you learned as far as how to motivate them to reproduce? Um, you need high heat. Okay. Um, if you get them, so Craig is produced between 75 to 90 degrees. And if you go like 74, they'll start eating each other. They eat each other? Yeah. Nasty little sons of bitches. <laughs> yeah, even though if there's food there, they'll still eat each other. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. What a tough uh, species. I know, right? right? They get a little hungry, they eat each other. Are you kidding yeah. me? I mean, it would take me, I got to see, at least three, four <laughs> days of starvation before I'd start looking at your legs saying, I'm going to take a bite of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have food in front of them, and they're like, yep, I'm going to eat my brother. Yeah. Yep. They were just hanging out. Yep. And now they're going to eat. Yeah. That's crazy. And, and, and it's the males that eat the females. And then once they... Of course, uh, male-dominated world, right? Is that, right. And uh, they'll also... The males will eat the females' eggs. Really? Yeah, <laughs> so you have to find ways to, you know, trap the eggs once they are produced. Um, so they've got a lot of advancing to do, I guess, if the men are being that mean to the women. Right. And I'll tell you, m human men get a lot of shit. Yeah. Cricket men sound <laughs> like real assholes. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Um, I'm obviously, I'm joking around, but, uh, you have to learn how to reproduce the crickets, right? That's a big thing. And it sounds like you've, you're centered in on that. You're, yeah, I'm you're on doing that. Fifth gen generation. Now the next side of that though is now you have to learn how to process that into food. Yep. How has that been? How good are you at that? Are you still learning with that? Or like what, where are you with turning it into food? I'm still in the process of doing that, okay. but uh, I'm partnered with commercial kitchens that will do the processing for me. Okay. Um, the process is pretty much like you freeze a cricket, that's how you kill it, and then you roast it to remove the bacterias, and then you grind it into flour. Is flour the general most just accepted way that, f that crickets get used? Uh, accepted, yes. Um, there's a huge market for whole crickets as well. Who's but, buying whole crickets and what are they using? Uh, I mean, there's restaurants like New York City, and restaurants mainly use it for like an appetizer. You can buy crickets as an appetizer? Yeah, like Oxenstone in Rochester sell uh, roasted crickets. I think I have heard that, actually, yeah. that they do crickets. And then I have a couple of restaurants I have reached out that want to sell crickets on their menu. Have you approached Oxenstone and said, I have crickets? Yeah, uh, he, he ghosted me on, on on Instagram. How much? I'll give you a cell phone number. Jay, <laughs> <laughs> talk about John Swan? Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm Listen, I think if Johnny's getting crickets, he ought to be getting oh, local I, crickets. I, I understand. I you know agree what I mean? as well. Uh, okay. All right. So whole crickets are a thing. And yep. obviously if they're on the menu, they got to be selling somewhat. Yep. Cricket flowers is a thing. So I've seen cricket pasta out there before. It's not right. the first I've ever heard of people eating crickets. I have seen cricket flour, uh, pasta, which is obviously made of cricket flour. What other applications are people using crickets in? 
Uh, bread. Okay. Cookies, cakes, ramen. What is the nutritional value that crickets bring? Like, why do we use them? So a cricket is made of 55% protein. And then if you want to focus on a certain food, like if you want to do high potassium, you feed the uh, cricket like bananas two days before you harvest. Why do crickets stay up all night making that noise? Um, because they like it when it's dark out. <laughs> are they awa- Are they nocturnal? Uh, yeah. Okay. And then they, they chirp because they're like, it's like their mating call for the female. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's why they're chirping. So they want to eat the female when they're hungry, but they also want the female to come over when they want a booty call. Right. It's, they really are tough, buddy. Chad, and then, I can tell you they'll, eat the, they'll eat the eggs because, you know, <laughs> they, they want to eat other females' eggs. Yeah. To yeah. get rid of the male and, and the gene line. That That's the motivation? They're getting rid of the... Yeah. Man, they're sophisticated little sons of bitches, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any pet crickets where you're kind of like, this is uh, <laughs> this one I don't want to grind into? Uh, yeah, I have a couple of crickets that, like, I, I want them to be safe. But sometimes, you know, unfortunate things happen. Because with the farmers, like, there's so many farmers here, and I always say, the farmers will always say, we never name our cows. Right. Because you don't want to get attached. Right. You know? Um, but you have a couple crickets that you're like, oh, this this is my dude right here. Yeah, yeah. This is like my first cricket. I'm keeping this guy. There's a, co- a couple of companies here in Grow New York that I want to partner up with that will help me uh, identify which crickets I like. Is there, a, is there a way to identify which crickets you're going to turn into food versus which ones you're going to have reproduce? Uh, no. Um, well, I mean, only females reproduce. Oh, well, right. But And any male can get them yeah. pregnant, I guess. Yeah. So... So the females you don't grind, you do grind the males then, I guess? Uh, well, we, we grind everything at the end, end of the life. Okay. Yeah, okay. before they, they pass away. Okay, Yeah, I got it. And then what's the lifespan of a cricket? Uh, three to four months. Okay. And uh, re- uh, the reproduction is six days. So when okay. they lay an egg, they'll hatch into a baby cricket six days later. How do you take care of the eggs for those six uh, days? So you, you incubate it, you put it at a higher temperature, and then you wait for six days. You make sure the the place that they lay the eggs is very moist how uh how much time consumption do you have right now into the crickets on a daily basis on a daily basis like i've gotten to a point is like two to three hours okay not that bad and then the other rest of the day is spent out trying to just grow business find clients grow business do other businesses like right now i'm trying to do a uh, vegan uh gummy cricket a vegan cricket no like a like a gummy bear but yeah. it's shaped as a cricket <laughs> so, I, I, so I can get the vegans because I, I have a lot of vegans that follow me uh-huh. and I want them engaged and they want to get away from beef but they don't want to eat crickets but they want to support what I'm doing you uh, have the nickname and I, I love this because uh, in your speech you ended it by saying they call me cricket Jesus yes we should describe you look like Jesus right yeah because again podcast they can't see you I understand you got the long hair the beard and everything yes. have you always had that look uh no i i drew this out during covid oh okay so you I, used were to, cut man I used to be buzz cut and no beard no mustache really yeah first and time th- growing it out and this was just a covid that covid came around couldn't go to the barber for a while so you were like yeah let's see what happens sure but i also had my own clippers so this is a, a decision i like it i yeah. think he's a good looking guy yeah yeah and then uh, the cricket jesus thing that that sticks with me i think that's a really it good does name. <laughs> stands out do you on snapchat do you go by cricket jesus at all uh yeah people comment uh, all the time and therefore i there's a, a, a way to repost their comment and so that it just furthers my name yeah to the new people but the name of your business is meow chicken fish yes that's the cricket business 
No, that's the Snapchat brand. That's the Snapchat account. Yeah, Meow Chicken. And where was the motive? Where did that come from? So it was a username. I I wanted to come up with a name that was just ridiculous. That yeah. People would say out loud, and Meow Chicken Fish flows really well. And the reason I kept it because uh, I didn't trust Snapchat initially. I didn't want someone showing up to my house. And now I'll, I'm like to this point that I'm like, all right, I'm Meow Chicken Fish. And it's always weird to be like. <laughs> Someone asked me for my email today. They're like, "What's your email?" I'm like, uh, "Meow Chicken Fish." Yeah. Gmail. Yeah. That's better than mine. Sexy Sauce Six Nine Six Nine. That's <laughs> awkward a lot of times when I have to get people. I'm just that's really not mine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, meow Chicken Fish. That, when you first started Snapchat, you say you didn't trust it. Were you trying? to become a Snapchat influencer from day one? Or was it more like, I'm going to do this for fun, then you started to get momentum, then you're like, ooh, I could do this? No, the the intention was to be an influencer. Okay. Yeah. Man, and you actually accomplished it. I did accomplish it, yep. Um, I remember, tell me if this is a thing or not. I, I, I don't think I've talked about this in years. I don't know if it's a thing on Snapchat, but years ago on Twitter, uh-huh. you could buy followers. And I'll explain. Oh, they're about to start the thing, so maybe we'll wrap up soon. But I remember that uh, the co- – so I worked for Clear Channel Radio, mm-hmm. became iHeart, and the competition was Entercom Radio. And overnight, a lot of their personalities went from having, like, 400 followers to, like, 14,000 followers. Right. Or, you know, whatever, something like that. And I remember all of us being like, oh, my God, they bought their followers. Yeah. And, and is that a thing or no? Yeah, people buy their followers to fake the influence, so people think they're bigger than they really are. So you can buy followers. Yeah. What does it cost to buy followers? It's probably really cheap right now because really? it's been in the market for such a long time. But is there any way for me to know if someone's followers are real or not? Uh, I would click on their profiles and just see what their following is posting. Okay. Just like nothing is mostly fake. Interesting. Yeah. All right. How does somebody uh, get a hold of you if they want to talk to you? Uh, you can email me at meowchickenfish at gmail.com or follow me on Snapchat at meowchickenfish. I also respond to all messages on Snapchat, which is That's something... That's important too, right? Well, no. Yeah. A lot of influence, influencers do not because they get so many messages. Yeah. I do it as a point to be like, yeah, what's up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's important because you, people feel engaged with you. Do you know who Gary Vee is? Yeah. So in his, uh, I think, third book, uh, Crushing It, I'm on page 155. You are? I am. That's awesome. Yep. In what way? I uh, just wrote about Meow Chicken Fish. Huh. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, Chad, it was awesome talking to you. The only reason we're stopping is because now there's too much noise and right. this is going to start to sound like shit. But thanks so much for doing the podcast, man. I appreciate it. It's great to meet you. Likewise. Again, I guess. Great <laughs> to talk to you about the crickets and stuff. And good luck. Thank you. Yeah. You did it,